Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's a very short verse, so that's it. <laughs> Let me pray, and we will get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, your people. Thank you for this church. Uh, thank you for the ways you gift and call us. Lord, I pray that you would call us through your word uh, this morning to uh, greater love for you, uh, greater obedience to you, and a greater uh, love for each other. Um, Lord, please uh, uh, just uh, speak through my um, broken uh, lips, Lord, to, to the hearts and minds of your people. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I listened to a podcast recently, uh, and one of the speakers used the illustration of barnacles. Uh, and I know we're all familiar with barnacles here uh, at uh, Cornerstone. Uh, there are these crustaceans, right, that, uh, that attach to boats and ships and can cause a lot of damage. And did you know that the, the U.S. Navy uh, reports that barnacles can actually slow down nuclear-powered ships by as much as 40%. Nuclear-powered ship is slowed down by a tiny little barnacle because they breed, they multiply, and they will cover the hull of a vessel. And, uh, and it'll slow down their aerodynamics. It can actually get inside the engine, uh, and you can break engines uh, on smaller ships. It can actually break the hull of a ship. Uh, it adds weight to the hull. Uh, and the, the U.S. Navy apparently spends $500 million a year uh, removing barnacles off their fleet. Uh, barnacles are kind of scary, right? Uh, they can cause a lot of damage. Now I want to draw this illustration to our topic today, words. And I want us to each consider a question. Are our words nuclear-powered energy? Are they the words that, that empower our family and our friends and our community and our church? Or are our words barnacles? <laughs> are our words the ones that cause damage and, and slow down uh, these communities, these family, these friends, our workplaces, and our church? Do your words give life and power and energy, or do they bring death? Proverbs 18.21 uh, says this, that uh, we had uh, read this morning. Uh, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So your tongue has incredible power, and you can use it for good, or you can use it for evil. It can help grow a healthy, life-giving fruit, or it can burn down the forest. <laughs> James talks about the tongue can set a whole forest aflame. Now, in our series on Proverbs, we'd encountered kind of two characters. We've encountered Lady Wisdom, who speaks what is good. She speaks what is true. And I want us to hear again what she says in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. She says, listen, for I have a trustworthy saying. I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speak what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Now, Lady Wisdom in the book of Proverbs is a metaphor for God himself. 
And I believe this is ultimately fulfilled in Christ Jesus who embodies wisdom. But the words that then Lady Wisdom speaks in, in Proverbs are the words of God. God is speaking through Lady Wisdom. And she is inviting us to speak words of wisdom as well. Speak words that then mirror God's goodness. Speak words that mirror Christ's goodness and Christ's holiness, Christ's character. Now this stands in stark contrast to the other option, right? Proverbs, we've seen this option over again, over and over again between the path of righteousness and the path of wickedness. And Lady Folly is the one who's leading us down that other path. And what does she sound like when she speaks? Well, Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She's kind of boisterous. She says whatever she wants. Lady Folly represents Satan. (laughs) Lady Folly represents sin and his powers, which are completely different than God's goodness. So when we speak godly words, we are pumping God's power and God's uh, goodness into those around us, into those that surround us, into our communities, our families, our, our fellowship, our church. But when we use the words of the enemy, when we speak words that are foolish, we are speaking the words of the enemy. (laughs) And we are like barnacles multiplying and spreading and causing destruction. (laughs) Our words have a lot of power for good or for evil. And so my question today is how can we know if our our words are good? (laughs) How can we know if our, our words are encouraging and empowering others? Or how can we know if our words are causing destruction? Are our words nuclear-powered energy or are our words barnacles? Well, foolish words, barnacle words, <laughs> cause harm. When we say the wrong thing, it can destroy relationships. Right? Speaking foolish words can really hurt those around us. Proverbs 25, 23 says this, like a north wind that brings unexpected rain is a sly tongue which provokes a horrified look. Sticks and stones may break my bones, and words will always crush my spirit. Like, that's how it goes, right? Words really hurt. I don't know who came up with that poem. They can destroy. And not only can they destroy, like, my relationship with you or your relationship with that, those person, people around you, uh, words can destroy uh, institutions. Words can destroy businesses, Words can destroy governments. Words can destroy churches. Proverbs 11.11 says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Words have power. Now, you know that I like Star Wars, uh, and I'm going to use a Star Wars illustration. Uh, When director J.J. Abrams uh, was directing Star Wars Episode 7, he put up posters. So he filmed this this episode in Pinewood Studios in uh, the UK. He put up this poster around uh, the the production studio. Loose lips bring down starships. (laughs) Loose lips bring down starships. Now, this is referencing posters that were put up uh, during World War II uh, to kind of contain secrets and to not talk. Uh, But here we see Darth Vader's hand on the mouth, uh, muffling the officer that apparently spilled the secrets to the the Death Star. And if you know the story of Star Wars, it doesn't turn out well uh, for the Death Star. Uh, But Abrams had a lot of visitors uh, coming to the studio 
because it's Star Wars Episode Seven. It's this epic kind of cultural moment. And he didn't want them to tell others what they saw. He didn't want them to spill secrets. And so he put up this poster and made everyone sign non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> we can say things also that bring down our starships, right? Our institutions, those things that we are part of, or even the relationships that we love. So, what type of words are foolish words? Well, the first one we see in the book of Proverbs is lies. Lies are just foolish. Lies are wrong. Now, a lie, I want to define that as any time we unintentionally or intentionally uh, say something that isn't true. I don't really feel comfortable calling something uh, that we unintentionally misspeak, you know, when we say something and we find out later that, oh, that wasn't true. I don't really think that's a lie. I think that's more of just misspeaking, and so we want to give some grace there. Um, but anytime we say something that we know isn't true, that we're, that we're, or, or we're just kind of brushing past the facts, that's a lie. Now, deceit is even worse than a lie because a deceit is intentionally trying to mislead someone else. It doesn't have to be a lie. It can be a lie, but it can also be kind of stating the truth or stating part of the truth. And so that's what deceit is. And we see both of these things being warned against in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, verses 24 through 26 say this, Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. Where does deceit come from? It comes from the heart. Where do lies come from? They're not just something that we do. They're something that uh, originates on the inside. Verse 25, Though their speech is charming, do not believe them, for seven abominations fill their hearts. Their, their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. So if you are someone who lies, who feels pretty comfortable not telling the truth, or has a pattern of not telling the truth, of distorting the truth, it's not something where I just, oh, i got to try harder to tell the truth. Now take a moment and get your heart checked. Where does that come from? Why are you doing that? Like, examine your heart. This is something that we don't want to just pass on by and say, it's okay. No, there's a reason that we lie. There's a reason that we don't tell the truth. Get your heart checked. Talk with a, a brother or sister in Christ. Talk with one of our church leaders. Talk to someone. Say, help me work this through. Help. Maybe a parent. And so we don't want to distort the truth. I've been reading Tripper Longman's uh, III's commentary on Proverbs, and he has a lot of uh, great wisdom. But one of the things he pointed out is that Proverbs is also warning us not to be too quick to believe others, right? Because we always want to assume the best in others. And I think by and large, we probably should do that. But he is saying, like, use discernment. <laughs> Don't assume that people always tell the truth. Lying can hurt can cause breaks in relationships. It can bring down institutions. But lying ultimately has a consequence. Consequence is not good. Proverbs 19.5 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not go free. Now, this is speaking in the context of like a court setting. If you lie in court, it's not going to go well for you. But I think ultimately, we stand before God, and God is our judge. When we lie in our daily interactions with others, we know that one day we will face God. We have to answer for those things. And so we want to be found innocent. Lying doesn't reflect the heart of God. It actually reflects the heart of Satan. <laughs> Jesus said this about the devil. 
John 8.44 says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so the question is, is do you want your heart to reflect the goodness of God or the deception of the devil? Speak the truth. Lies and deception are foolish words. They lead down a foolish path. Trust is the foundation of relationships. And when you don't have trust, relationships break down. But it doesn't stop here. (laughs) Proverbs is pretty thorough in its treatment of uh, foolish words. The second one is gossip. Now, gossip is what other people do, right? (laughs) Gossip is what other people do, and let me tell you about it. (laughs) There's something about gossip uh, that it's, it's just easier to identify when other people do it. Right? It's really tough to identify when I am gossiping because I'm just sharing. I'm just sharing my concerns or my prayer requests, and it's just this very detailed list of what this person has done. <laughs> Maybe when you saw the word gossip, you like, oh, yeah, I can think of someone who needs to hear this sermon. I'm going to like post it on my Facebook page, and maybe I'll tag them, but not. Like, I probably shouldn't tag them, but maybe they'll see it. I want you to take that face in your mind, whoever you're thinking of, and I want you to just put your own face right there. <laughs> so you're thinking about yourself now. You're examining your own heart. We're not thinking about anyone else, but it's you and God and his word. And ask yourself this question. Do I gossip? Do I gossip? Just take a moment. No one's judging you. Do I gossip? Chances are most of us gossip. So the next question is, how do I gossip? How do I gossip? Really be think about that. If, if, if gossip is a foolish word, then we want to be really careful. Now, I think it's helpful when we can define what gossip is because I do think it's actually a difficult word to define sometimes, and so I've brought a definition. It's not a perfect definition, but it's one I heard on this uh, same podcast. Gossip is saying something negative about anyone or anything to someone who can't do anything about it. I actually think that's a pretty helpful definition. I don't think it's comprehensive, and I think you can find ex- uh, you know, examples of times where it doesn't really fit. But I want us to think about this as a definition, saying something negative about anyone or anything to anyone, to someone who can't do anything about it. Now, inevitably, you're going to come into a conversation sometime uh, this week or the next or this month, and you're going to be like, I wonder, like something in the back of your head will say, I wonder, is, or, is, this, is this gossip? <laughs> and so my advice, try this, is just say, hey, can we pause the conversation? I, I heard a sermon on gossip recently. The Lord's really been convicting me about gossip. Um, And so before we talk further, can we talk about this definition? My definition of gossip is this, fill in the blank, and say, is what you're about to tell me, do you think it it fits into this category? And then you're not accusing them, hey, you're a gossip. (laughs) Like, that's not going to go anywhere well. You're just saying, let's process this together, and maybe you'll have a God-honoring conversation about gossip. Maybe it'll spark something, and they'll want to know, well, why... Why do you think gossip is bad? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> Proverbs speaks to gossip, and I think we see Proverbs reflecting aspects of this definition of what gossip is. I don't think this is a perfect definition, but I, I did bring like four questions that kind of tie into Proverbs, tie into this definition to help you figure out if a situation is gossip. So four questions to identify gossip. The first is, 
Is it juicy? <laughs> Is it juicy? Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. So gossip can be a lie. Gossip can actually be truth. You're just saying something about someone else to someone who doesn't need to hear it. Hey, this is a true thing that happened. It can be twisted. But it's always going to be juicy. (laughs) There's always going to be something in it that just makes your ears perk up. It just makes you like, oh, I just got to know how this story, I just got to know how this story turns out. You know, this is just interesting. Your ears perk up. I can't believe that happened. That's awful. Tell me more. Gossip is almost always negative. People rarely gossip about positive things. I don't think it's usually gossip when it's about positive things. I'd also add to this definition, uh, it's often personal things. So either negative or personal things. Question number two for identifying if something is gossip. Is it secretive? Proverbs 20.19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Gossip is something, uh, when we tell someone information they can't do anything about, I'd also add to that, or shouldn't do anything about, because you should do something about it. But it's also secretive in nature. So the information is secretive. In other words, it's someone else's information, or the very act of telling it is secretive. It's said behind closed doors or in hushed voices, or I don't want anyone else to hear, but here's the news. Maybe you've heard the slang spilling tea. Did you know that that's like the new hip phrase for gossip is spilling tea? So if someone says to you, like, spill tea, you're like, what? I'm not going to gossip with you. But gossip is a spilling, right? It's a spilling of secrets. You know, it's, it's something that belongs to someone else. Proverbs warns us to avoid those who spill tea. <laughs> Question number three, does it stir up trouble? Proverbs 16.8 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. At first, it might seem like gossip doesn't hurt anyone. Like, we're, we're not hurting anyone. We're just talking about that person. The gossip can stir up resentment and mistrust, especially if the person who you gossip about or I gossip about hears about it. But I also think it stirs up mistrust in the relationship between the two people. I've read some articles on gossip, and one of the things uh, I remember is that uh, it said it, it makes it harder to have a real relationship with a person because part of you is going to wonder, are they going to talk about me, Right? Those who gossip with you will gossip about you. So how do I know if the things that I am saying to this person aren't going to get out? Someone else is going to hear it. Is gossip juicy, secretive? Does it stir up trouble? All those things. It's probably gossip. (laughs) The best way to understand if something is gossip, because you can always get around definitions, right? You can always get around laws. So where's your heart? Where's the heart behind what you're telling me or I am telling you? Why am I telling it to you? Proverbs 26, 23 says, Like a coating of silver dross on earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. Why do we gossip? We gossip to put others down so as to make ourselves feel better. (laughs) That's the root of gossip. 
And when we gossip, it actually displays a heart attitude of not being satisfied with God himself. God, you're not giving me what I need. You're not giving me what I want. So I'm going to go and satisfy myself some other way. And so the cure to gossip is not to just gossip less. The cure to gossip is to know God, (laughs) to be in a relationship with God, to seek your satisfaction in him. Seek God. Gossip is poison. Don't play with poison. Proverbs 26, 20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Gossip is is lethal. It's not good for a community. It's not good for a business, a workplace, a church. And when gossip leaves, health improves. Now, Norman Rockwell, maybe some of you are familiar, familiar with Norman Rockwell's art. He was uh, probably the most famous American illustrator. Uh, he created covers for the Saturday Evening Post, and he, he was really good at just depicting like normal, everyday scenes from life, but in a really kind of special or interesting way. And one of his famous paintings, uh, uh, just sold for $8.5 million, is The Gossips. So maybe you've seen this painting before from Norman Rockwell. If you're not familiar with it, uh, the gossip starts up here, right? So she's the one who's starting the gossip. And the gossip kind of moves in a pattern where one person tells the next, and this person tells that person, and it goes all the way through. Now, actually, uh, when Norman Rockwell painted this, he was famous because he, he painted the people in his community, So he painted his friends and his neighbors, and they would pose for him. And so, you know, I don't know if this was a good marriage move, but this was his wife right here. (laughs) He painted his wife into the painting. And if if you follow the trail of gossip all the way down, look who's being gossiped about. That's actually Norman Rockwell himself. He painted himself into the painting. Uh, And so he is the brunt of the gossip. And uh, this painting, when it was released on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post, uh, this lady who posed was actually hurt. (laughs) She was kind of wounded that she was depicted uh, as the gossip. So you don't even actually have to gossip. Just a painting about gossip can break down relationships. And over a thousand people wrote letters to the Saturday Evening Post asking, what is the gossip? (laughs) True story. True story. (laughs) Over a thousand people wanted to know the juicy news about Norman Rockwell. I don't think it's fair to call someone a gossip because to gossip, it always takes at least two. (laughs) It always takes at least two. And you see here, it takes a village to gossip. (laughs) And so speaking gossip is an act of gossip but receiving gossip and listening to it is also an act of gossip. And so we want to ask God to begin to change our hearts so that we are not walking down the path of foolish words, but the path of wise words. Now, gossip on steroids is slander. Slander is when we intentionally say things that aren't true or just put the person in a really bad light Uh, to intentionally harm others. And Proverbs warns against it. Proverbs 10.18, whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Today you can get sued for this. 
called defamation. You can get sued for hurting someone's reputation. Now, maybe you're not a gossip. Maybe you don't lie too much. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't lie. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't slander. Well, chances are some of us probably fall into this, speaking hastily or not listening. <laughs> this is also foolish words. Talking too much, never stopping to listen, is also foolishness. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for them. See, if, if you're speaking too fast or you're speaking too hastily, right? You're responding too much. You're cutting other people off. You're not listening. Chances are higher that you're going to lie. You're going to say something that's not true or you're going to gossip or you're going to slander because you're not really thinking through what you're saying. So the solution, talk more, talk, talk less, listen more. Talk less, listen more. Speak words of life. Now, foolish words can cause harm, but wise words give life. Wise words spring forth from the heart. Proverbs 16, uh, Proverbs 15, 28 says this, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. See, the heart of the righteous is thoughtful and takes time to consider if what I'm saying is gossip or slander or truth. Now, what is on the inside of someone will come out, right? If, you're, if your heart uh, is broken and sinful, if you just try to kind of patch up and put a lot of Band-Aids on, like you're not going to fix your heart. <laughs> it's an inside problem. And so we do need to deal with our hearts. And when our heart is in the right place, when our heart's in a relationship with God, when our heart is uh, full of life itself, our words will then have life. So what type of words will you say? You will say words that are truthful. (laughs) Truthful words are words that accurately reflect reality. It's so easy to distort reality. To say things that just, I, I just look a little bit better and that person just looks a little bit worse. That's not truth. Truth has no distortion, no lies, no misrepresentation, no making yourself look better than you actually are. It's just a real picture of what's really going on. Proverbs 12, 19 says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. I have one poster that says, Speak with integrity and say only what you mean. If Satan is the father of lies, who's the truth? (laughs) Well, Jesus, Proverbs 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to stop lying, if you want to stop gossiping, if you want to speak the truth, you need to know Christ. Because it's through Christ that ultimate truth is found, that real and lasting forever truth is found. Not truth that's going to change tomorrow as our culture and its preferences change, but truth that endures There's no shadow in Christ. And so, have a relationship with him if you want to speak the truth. It's through him that we can change from gossips to those that speak the truth. Wise words are not just about being truthful, though, are they? (laughs) We also need to speak truth when others can hear it. Now, if you don't believe this, 5 a.m. tomorrow roll over and shout, I love you, (laughs) at your spouse. 
You might be speaking the truth, but it's not going to be well received. <laughs> it's too early. Wise words are timely. It's spoken at the right time. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. Sometimes we need to speak truth, but we can't do it right away. Right? You ever had that experience where you're like, I need to talk to this person about this, but I can't do it right now because of circumstances in their life. Well, that is like the most tempting time to gossip. Because you want to tell someone, so I'm going to go tell this other person. Well, no. You need to wait and be patient and speak truth when they can hear it. When they can be quiet and they can listen. Maybe you're someone who's like, yes, I am gifted in speaking the truth. Well, sometimes we also need to listen, right? It's listening and it's developing that relationship that then gives us the opportunity to be heard. So wise words are timely words. They put in the time and they carefully choose the right time. Wise words are also trustworthy. Now this talks more about the person, the person themselves. It's about the character. It's about the heart. The person is trustworthy. They have a, a, a true nature, and you can count on them. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. So when you need private advice, who do you go to? Maybe you go to a spouse, maybe you go to a friend and say, here's, here's what I'm going through. And when you need someone uh, that you can talk to that you know will keep your secret, try to be like them. <laughs> Be that person. The wise words are truthful, they're timely, they're trustworthy. They're also encouraging. We have so many ways we can speak life into each other's lives. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. You can actually begin to change someone's heart. right? So if you have someone... Uh, in your life, who struggles with some of these foolish words, if you begin to speak kind words and encouraging words to them, you can actually perhaps change something about their hearts as your heart is being changed. Man, words have power. As a church, we have the opportunity to create a new culture. We're a pretty new church. We're a young church, and so we have the opportunity to create a DNA of encouragement of truth-telling, of, of speaking uh, truthful words in a timely manner and being trustworthy. Let's take advantage of that opportunity. May we be a church that is known as a church of encouragement and truth-telling and love for each other. What better way to encourage one another than with good news? That's what gospel means. Gospel means good news. Proverbs 15.30 says this, Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. As Christians, we have the best news of all. We have the, the, the news that is more good than any other news. We have the news that, that God himself came down into our world through Christ Jesus to change gossips into truth-tellers and liars into encouragers and to transform hearts, hearts that are broken to hearts that are healed. And he did this through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus, paying the penalty for our sins on the cross so that you can have eternal life. What better news is there than that? 
And that's as we speak this good news to each other and we remind each other of this news and we read the scriptures together and we encourage one another with God's word that we can experience the words of life. And so it's through Christ then that we experience words of life. Jesus is God's word given to us. There's foolishness, there's foolish words, there's wise words, but ultimately there's Christ and he is the word of God. Now, if it's the heart that produces foolish words, and it's the heart that produces wise words, how can we change our hearts? We cannot change our hearts, but Jesus can. Jesus can change our hearts. He can deal with what's on the inside. Jesus is God's word come to rescue us, come to do heart surgery on us. John 1.14 says this about Christ, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God's gracious and truthful word. What does that even mean <laughs> for Jesus to be the word of God? That means Jesus is the revelation of God. Something is a revelation when it reveals something. So Jesus is revealing God. <laughs> Jesus is God's word. When we look at Jesus, we see God's presence. We see God. Jesus is the Son of God. And it's through Jesus then as we, as we come to understand Jesus and his words, and he claims the whole Bible, it's then that we can know God, right? To be in relationship with someone is to have a conversation with them, to talk with them, to hear from them. So Jesus as the word of God then has come to to change our hearts, to communicate with us, to move us, <laughs> to not leave us as we are. You know, Jesus had every right when he came into this world as the son of God to yell and scream <laughs> at us <laughs> and to speak stern words of truth. But you know what Jesus did to save us? You know what the word of God did to rescue broken, sinful people, the word of God became silent. Isaiah 53, 7 says this, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only one who has the right to speak remained silent as he was falsely accused of crimes he did not commit and as he was condemned and sent to the cross. He didn't stand up for himself. He didn't lash out. He just went obediently to the cross and became that final sacrifice. And here's the good news. <laughs> if you pray, and you don't even have to say it out loud, <laughs> you can just be silent before your God. If you pray and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the ways that I have twisted reality through my words. I'm sorry for those times that I have not spoken life, but I have spoken death. Guess what? He forgives you. <laughs> you are forgiven. You are loved. Jesus loves us so much he came to rescue us, not to condemn us. You're loved, and I'm loved, and now he's going to begin to change us. As we trust in him and believe everything about him, he just changes us from the inside out. He changes our hearts and he, and he gives us eternal life. 
And it's then from that, that, that place on the inside that's been changed that we then begin to flow out words of life. That we begin to, to say things that are good and pleasing to God, that are trustworthy and true and encouraging and kind. I want to close in a prayer. I want to close in a silent prayer. So I've asked the worship team to just remain seated until I say amen. But I want us to just take a moment in the silence of our own hearts, minds, and just confess those ways that we have spoken foolish words. And then just ask God to change our hearts and help us speak good words and to focus on Christ. Let's pray.